It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. I'm here with Zerlina Maxwell. We've been playing the Summer Jam playlist by President Obama for each other today, and every single track on this is a banger. So I know that we brought Hayes Brown, who is a writer-editor for MSNBC, here to talk to us about how racist the Olympics are, but I think we should start with the music instead. Have you heard it yet? I'm glad to be here, first of all. Um, second of all, I haven't listened to the playlist yet, so unfortunately I'm better versed on why the Olympics are kind of racist than Touché. the playlist right now. That's actually a good point, but you know what? I highly recommend it because we've been sort of bumping in and out with it all morning, and it's real good. They know skips on it. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, okay, President Obama. There was even a song I didn't know. I was like, oh, what is this? This is actually who, who a hot little song. Santa, Malia, which one of you? I know, right. He's exactly right. <laughs> Exactly right. Um, so tell us why the Olympics are, are low-key racist, which is, like I think, now the phrase I'm always going to use with you because you used low-key and high-key in, in an article recently. key sometimes. So. It's, yo, listen, this you should write a book where there's a spectrum where you d- <laughs> explain what, what all of these <laughs> mid, midway, mid-key, low-key, high-key, because um, I, I find this helpful. So why are the Olympics uh, on the spectrum of racism? Uh, because they, at least in the case of Shakari Richardson, hmm. follow rules that uh, have a basis, have a long history in racism, and specifically talking about uh, the World Anti-Doping Agency's decision to keep marijuana on its list of prohibited substances, which is what got Ms. Richardson in trouble and why she's no longer racing in Tokyo. Which is this decision that happened while yeah, so I was on I, vacation, and I was—I just have to say—I haven't been on air since yeah. that happened. The final decision. Um, I'm really still upset that I, I mean the fact that she's not even on the relay. I yelled about that it was for an you. intentional decision I made know. by USA Track and Field that was completely and total bullshit. Like I've never. I'm like, you're going to keep the fastest woman off your your relay team. Like now, I actually, I'm going to root against them. In the relay. Ooh. Ooh. And I, I mean, I never thought I would say that, right? I, I did track right. and field haze. So, it's oh my man. thing. So, so, okay, so you know track and field. So answer this for me, Zerlina. I'm sorry to turn the tables on you, but so in a relay team, is, is there something that I don't know about why she wouldn't be included? Like, oh, well, she doesn't really gel well. She has that burst of speed at the nope. certain. No, it has nothing to do with that. that. Nope. Uh, so has nothing. To, she would be the anchor. She would most likely be the anchor because she is the fastest um, yeah. and a, obviously a good closer. Um, because she has sort of that second 50 meter kick, um, which is really hard. It's like Usain Bolt. It's really, it's, a, it's like a superhuman thing when you have that second 50 meter kick. Um, and so, no, there's nothing, there's no reason why she would not be on the team other than they didn't want to set the precedent that somebody who smokes some weed could still get on the team, which right. is stupid. It's stupid. It really is. It In really other is. sports, so- they would have come up with some excuse <laughs> to let it happen. Something. Especially since, you know, she's kind of a star. People exactly. tuned in because of her. People want to watch yeah. her run. So then leaving her for the relay team just doesn't really make sense. So thank you for explaining why that doubly doesn't make sense. 
but but yeah, people have been in my mentions yelling since I wrote about uh, her being banned. And I went, well, rules are rules. There's nothing nothing doing about. It. There's nothing racist about this either because this is you know an international agency's decision that has nothing to do with U.S. laws, as if the U.S. has not been the most powerful country in the world for a very long time at this point, has had extreme influence on how uh, various international agencies conduct their rulemaking. I mean, just yesterday, or day before yesterday, over the weekend, uh, WADA, in response to uh, AOC calling them out and saying, you guys need to overturn this, why to put out a statement saying like uh y'all this is kind of you like the united states has been really vocal about us making sure that we stayed on our prohibited substance list for like two decades so don't put this on us right <laughs> that's funny because i yeah, mean we, i mean can, the can thing I, you should know about I, wada is how they are... surprising is that yeah like how surprising is it that we were agitating for that? Uh, that it's it's absolutely shocking that that would be coming from from America um, and sarcasm. So but like so it was shocking. on the prohibitive substance list because it was there with other illegal drugs. Like it's on the mm-hmm. same list that cocaine and heroin is on, which is different than the performance enhancing list. Now that weed is legal in many places in America, including the place where Shikari Richardson used it. Mm-hmm. I, what what is what is the rationale for having it on the list at all? I mean, the rationale is the same as why it's still listed as a Schedule One drug in the U.S., which is that oh, this is something that we don't really want athletes to use out of outside of the sport. I mean, it's a good thing that the, this year's version of the WADA anti-doping list it's, it's it's a change that you know marijuana, heroin, cocaine, Molly, they're all no longer listed under the blanket prohibited sub substances performance-enhancing substances list. Now they have their little carve-out for, well, these are not used in competition, but they are still bad and should be, you know, punished. But but like like the U.S., like I said, it, it's still, weed is still on in that same tier as things that kill thousands of people in overdose every year. And the only reason for that, you know, is a long history of racism in terms of weed right. policy in America. It is only because of first being scared of brown hispanic people which is why we call it marijuana and not cannabis right. exactly. and then and then black people in the inner cities and whatnot which is why the war on drugs focus so heavily on weed there's no, there's a, a direct correlation between these two things that i think a lot of people are willing and eager to overlook i think it's well it's not funny this is, this is funny to me because my sense of humor is dark very dark somebody <laughs> tweeted that because i made the joke earlier um, cause again, my humor is dark. I was like, if you have not murdered the person that you are in lockdown with or have been, um, in lockdown for a majority of this pandemic yearish, um, marry that person. That person is your person. Um, <laughs> because if you haven't killed them, then that's your person. Um, because if you can survive this, um, with another human and you have not considered homicide, um, <laughs> That you love them, <laughs> you love them deeply, um, and you like them too, which is Jess's point was is the most important thing. But I think um, the like. most frustrating <laughs> you have to you have to have a like. Um, I think one of the like. <laughs> I think one of the most frustrating things about sort of the idea that marijuana is on this list with other substances is actually more upsetting when you know more about what happened and caused the opioid crisis. So mm. I. Because my dad 
and everybody, Professor Eugene Maxwell has a big fan club here. So I have to shout out my dad and everybody at home is like, we love him Um, (laughs) because he has his own fans uh, here at Signal Boost. Um, But on and he talked because he talks about COVID on Fridays, Um, but he worked for pharmaceutical companies for many, many years. And just through him knowing what I know about pharmaceutical companies and having worked with inside of them for a couple summers as a college student. Uh, the goal for them is money, profit, right? Um, and so if it results in people, I don't know, becoming addicted to Vicodin and dying because they OD'd on fentanyl, you know, at the end of that uh, cycle there, um, the pharmaceutical company um, is never seen as like a drug dealer, like a pusher, mm-hmm. like the person on the street that is selling you a dime bag of weed. And for some reason, that person is incarcerated, locked up, you know, they throw away the key, give them federal time for weed when the pharmaceutical company is literally facilitating death, like facilitating the distribution of death pills. Um, And I don't I don't there's just no other way to think about it in terms of especially in terms of opioids, which actually, you know, aren't treating anything other than severe pain and like cancer pain. Like that's what those drugs are for. And yet pharmaceutical companies because of the profit motive um you know gave them out to everybody no nobody should have pain you should get a whole bottle of right. of um and, you know vicodin for for your headaches um and, and i think that, that it's the stigma on marijuana mm-hmm. and you'll note that none of those pain killing drugs to my knowledge are actually on the list of banned substances because, listen you know, listen Hayes. Ha- be able to treat pain and that makes sense, but they can't smoke weed to do it because reasons. So you can't take you can take a Vicodin mm-hmm. and compete in the Olympics. So if if Sakari Richardson had taken um, Oxy, I mean mm-hmm. I don't know that she's going to be running and winning the hundred meters on Oxy, but uh, she could have taken an Oxy. Also, not a performance enhancing drug. I mean, right. frankly, like, she could have like taken an she, oxy like, like, if she and been able to compete. Runs that fast, she should get an extra medal. I know, like, I know. <laughs> so say she'd taken it like a few days before the race, much like you would marijuana. Like, oh, she has an ache. She took an oxy or something because she's in pain. Like, oh, she nearly pulled a hamstring or something, and oh, she's in pain, so she took this. And then it was out of her system, much like the weed for the most part. By the time she actually ran, no problem there. I, I don't think that WADA, I can't, don't cite me on this, I am not a full-on expert on doping rules, but I'm pretty sure she would have been all right if that were the case. Unlike this, where she was not high while she was running, and a lot of people make that mistake, too. She smoked beforehand. The weed was just still in her system and was in the drug test. She was not stoned while she was running. <laughs> so... Listen, if she uh, ran the 100 meters stone and won that, y'all need to go practice. (laughs) You're not going to be You get a platinum medal. We've developed a new category. (laughs) You get get platinum medal. That's funny. Uh, And and it's not like she was doubled over with a smoker's cough at the end of the race either. (laughs) As far as we know, this was like a a situation where she smoked to deal with grief and stress and not like she's like token up on the regulars. Not that she has like a bong stashed in amongst her running gear or anything to my knowledge here's the thing if she did i still would not judge her i would still be like do your thing girl whatever you need to do to survive within reason and i think marijuana is within reason that's the thing that i think is the most frustrating part about this suspension um and 
the fact that they did not allow her to even after the suspension go to the Olympics and compete on the mm-hmm. relay is yeah. the fact that it just like adds to the stigma like, oh, this is such a big deal when it is not, in fact, a big deal. It is right. not. And, I, and, I, I, yeah. Oh, a lot less one thing really quickly too. serious than months for pain. It's supposed to be a three month suspension for smoking weed. She got it down to one month, which would give her time to run in the relay because she took a anti an anti drug program because she went through counseling about it to get that three month suspension cut down to one month, and that still wasn't enough mm. for them to say, okay, you have shown enough penance that we think you should be on the relay team, and that's mm. really confusing to me. It is really conf- especially since she's the best. I don't know. Right. Sometimes wow. I, I honestly sometimes I'm not sure in sports if gender is a factor, if race is a factor or not. Like, I just don't know if they're leaving LeBron James out of game seven for a positive, mm-hmm. you know, not that if the rules applied to the NBA, which they don't um, because the black players have power um, in the NBA. Um, and that's not on the list of banned substances, but or in the NFL. Um, but I think that, you know, they're not sitting LeBron out game seven. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. This doesn't make any sense to me in that regard. Just in the sheer raw, like, we want to win, we're America, it's the Olympics kind of kind of thing. Right, and like I said in my original piece on this, it would have been so powerful in its own way for them to do what they always do with black people, which was hold us up and say, like, look at how much they've suffered. Isn't that great that they've, like, borne this? injustice so valiantly and so forthrightly like she's admitted her wrongs and that she takes full credit and blame for it and so let's still make sure that she still gets to live her dream and she runs and the anchor and the medal goes to the u.s that would have been a great narrative instead here we are it's crazy yeah does the ioc like hear us like i i i'm they have made I'm not a sports person, right? I like watching the Olympics. I watch the Olympics every year, but I I, I like the spectacle as much as I like the sport itself. So I don't pay mm-hmm. a lot of attention to the IOC. The IOC crosses my radar when they do something stupid. And this year they have crossed my radar a lot. So yep. my question is, like, is it really this impenetrable fortress? Uh, like I think about like the Supreme Court, like where you, you don't understand their decision making and nothing, nothing that you say matters. Or are they listening to the outcry? Like, are they hearing that maybe they should allow swim caps designed for the natural hair of the competing athletes? And maybe they should reevaluate the racist rules behind their drug policy. Like, is there, do, do we penetrate at all? Not really. As you look at the IOC, the IOC is like the United Nations of sport, which is to say that underneath that umbrella, there's a lot of smaller agencies. And those smaller agencies, the each had their own little fiefdom in each sport, like the International Swimming Federation or whatever, which made the decision about the swim caps. They, in turn, are governed by the national swimming federations coming together. And so it's those national policies coming together that make these rules. So there's so many different layers working their way up. But that's part of why U.S. track and field has been able to be like, oh, no, it's actually the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency who made this decision. The U.S. Anti-Doping Agency being like, oh, no, it's actually a WADA decision. And WADA being like, no, actually, the U.S. had a lot of influence in this decision. So there's so much blame to go around <laughs> that there's a lot of finger pointing when situations like this happen, which makes it hard for there to be actual accountability too, is the other thing. And part of why it's so hard for 
groups like you know the IOC and FIFA, et cetera, et cetera, to be held accountable because they have so many stakeholders that it's easy to spread the blame around uh, pretty thinly until at some point it was like I don't know, I don't know who fault this is anymore. I mean, Russia has been cheating in the Olympics since yep. like 1968 and it's been like an open secret it's like known um like you know you'll watch track and field and they that you're like lane one lane two and then they get to russia and it's like obviously someone on some sort of drugs i mean it's not it's just like completely apparent to anyone watching mm-hmm. the television and yet they're they were shortly you know given a a brief suspension then it was lifted like they they had been proven cheaters proven the government of russia funds and finances um their doping program basically like they don't have an anti-doping program they have a doping program where the anti-doping people figure out how to get around the test that's how Mm -hmm. it works there um and so the olympics you know sort of sitting in this um fake veil of purity being like well wada we just cannot have an athlete among us who has had marijuana um <laughs> when russia is in lane four and like clearly so- is on some drugs um right. and so it just like it's so infuriating when you when you really think about um the different standards and and the clear standards that are biased against black mm-hmm. people um when we're talking about this larger organization, but also the the little baby organizations that have a lot of power over mm-hmm. athletes who, you know, are sacrificing their lives and their, you know, bodies um, to be, be able to do this one thing in their life. Or, you know, if they're lucky, maybe two or three Olympics. But, uh, you know, and then you have some man in a fake lab coat being like, you tested positive for weed. You cannot do you know, follow your dreams. When Russia is right. in lane four, again, I like I said, doped up. I, and I, I got to point out really quickly that Shakari Richardson is not the only, you know, U.S. athlete to be hit by this suspension this year. Uh, there have been several other cases of who were white. I, I And a lot of people tried and raised that point, like, look, the decision to ban Shakari is not racist. And if this rule affects black people and white people, so it can't, therefore, it cannot be racist. <laughs> And in saying that, they just completely overlook the long history behind mm-hmm. these rules and why these rules are in place to begin with. And that, I think, is when you go from being someone who wants to do good in the world to someone who just kind of wants to blindly follow whatever rules are put in front of you. Like, oh, the rule says that I only have to wear two left shoes. Well, I guess that's the rule. Rules are rules. Can't do anything about that. Don't know why the rule is there, but whatever. Two left shoes it is. I'm telling you, man, people have to question the rules. Somebody somebody is writing these rules. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember, I don't know if this is true because I never really Googled it to fact check. So I guess somebody's going to tell me if this is right or wrong. But when I studied abroad in Spain when I was in college, I was told that the reason why the, the Spanish accent has the TH, sort of like the the TH in, in the words where they don't belong, um, is because one king way back in the day had a lisp. And, di- and, and just changed it. And I'm like, so think about it. who writes the rules. That story only works if, if it's true. So somebody fact check me no, on that and tell me which king it was. No, no. Every, every now and then there's a story that's good enough that you can't fact check it. Isn't it good, right? Just I'm going to go with it. Don't I just Google never it. fact check just it because I liked it. it so much yes. as an example of dumb rules that are made because of arrogance and hubris. 
And some white man at some point was like, this is the rule. And then everybody was like, but it's the rules. And I'm like, but the guy is, you know, suspect. And the person writing the rules is not on the up and up. But everybody's like, but it's the law. And I'm like, but the law is not colorblind. In fact, it is written by humans. (laughs) Sorry, I I had a chuckle because the way you said that really gave me like a lag vibe. The law is wrong. Hayes Brown, thank you so much for hanging out with us this morning. This is way more fun than I was expecting it to be. (laughs) She's like, I I didn't know what to expect by the Olympics or racist segment, but it really exceeded my expectations. (laughs) Glad to be here. Glad to clear that hurdle. Thank you. I'm I'm good. Clear that bar. (laughs) That's really fun. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Signal Boost podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with more news.